Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we're simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw. And I'm Armando Lee. We're broadcasting from Portland, Oregon, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. This is the show where we bring you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. We cover bicycling, trains and transit, infrastructure, adventures, and today we're talking with Mike Cobb from the Disaster Relief Trials. Well, welcome, Mike. Um, we wanted to have you on the show to, to uh, talk to us about the Disaster Relief Trials and, and what it is. I guess I want to start out by having you explain, maybe you can talk a little bit about yourself, um, a little short bio, and then explain or um, let us know or let the users know what the Disaster Relief Trials are. Thanks, Armando. My name is Mike Cobb, and I'm a bicycle guy. I'm, I'm definitely a, a, a load-bearing bicycle guy. I'm in that subsector. And I, I think I've, I've worked for most of the cargo bike sellers in town as a mechanic. I've repaired almost every uh, a, a representative from almost every uh, commercial bike trailer user in town. I'm, that's a kind of a point of pride. I feel like the... Uh, the village uh, trailer repair person finally got a Republic of Portland trailer. So that checked that one off my list. So I moved to Portland in late 2007 after a stint away from the Pacific Northwest in the Bay Area. Went down to the Bay Area to mingle with the bike industry down there for, for a decade and to uh, be a worker owner at Pedal Express the cargo bike courier um, business. Um, so I was a mechanic there and a, and a worker owner and uh, got all I needed from the Bay Area and came back to the Northwest and uh, been in Portland for a little over a decade. And um, I currently am a fabricator out of my uh, garage shop. I love to weld, I love to do precision welding, done some welding for some bike makers around town, most notably, uh, welded for a year for uh, Bill Stites and his truck trikes. That's a, that's a thumbnail sketch of who I am. It's just all bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. And uh, the disaster relief trials was a advocacy event born out of the Haiti earthquake disaster response disaster of 2010, late 2010. Um, that was sort of a, uh, an embarrassment to, um, you know, modern society, uh, the way the suffering uh, lasted profoundly for almost a year. And uh, it just uh, made me, it made, it inspired me to think about how things should be different. And I, looking at the world through a bicycle lens, I started to think about decentralized citizen organized, you know, supply running uh, possibilities that a cargo bike can provide. Um, this is especially especially interesting to think about in regards to Haiti because there were villages that were not too far from each other, with, who but didn't communicate with each other, and so there was not could not drive uh, between uh, village sites, and so there was sort of not the ability to understand what kind of assets and needs were in within bikeable distance. So there, there, there's this opportunity for low, low cost appropriate technology 
citizen-led response that could defray and reduce um, a lot of suffering and um, facilitate and lubricate recovery. So I thought let's let's have a let's have a race that sim simulates something like that. Develop a model that uh, really shows off the capabilities of a cargo bike in terms of supply running when when the grid of civilization is no longer intact. So that that's the inspiration. I shopped it around to bike advocates in town, including Ellie Blue and Megan Stinnett and uh, uh, Phil Ross, and um, they were just unreservedly enthusiastic about my idea of a hundred kilometer, hundred kilogram race. But then uh, I shopped it around a little more, met up with. Uh, Travis Whitwer and Ethan Jewett, who um, were sort of pinching themselves to, to hear that somebody else was thinking uh, along the lines of what they were thinking. Ethan Jewett being uh, sort of a leader in citizen uh, disaster preparedness around here. Uh, and we together designed the inaugural 2012 disaster relief trials. And a, a much shorter than what I envisioned and much more realistic for shelter-in-place day for assistance of neighbors. So, Mike, when you talk about cargo bikes, uh, so now nowadays when somebody says cargo bikes, everybody is thinking like this big cargo bike with a, a you know, a, uh, like a, a box feed or a big, you know, bucket in the front or and big long bike things like that. Um, how would you how would you explain cargo bikes in relation to the DRT? Generally think speaking, I think the mode cargo bike in my mind is something that can handle 200 pounds. So all the real long tail bikes, all the long john form cargo bikes and, and all the cargo trailers out there pretty much can handle 200 pounds. That's a, something that has uh, sort of become standard capability. And, uh, and so I've, I figure... Uh, with half, half the capacity of a normal cargo bike, uh, including bike trailers, which turn every bicycle into a cargo bike, uh, with about half the cap capacity, you could really haul butt and do it safely. And it's still a hundred pounds or around 50 uh, kilograms of stuff. That's a lot of water, food and building supplies and, and medical supplies. So a 200 pound capacity, 50 kilogram full load of disaster relief trials is very manageable, even if it's awkward in shape or size. That's the general thought. So it can, it could be just a bike pulling a trailer. It doesn't have to be this, you know, $5,000 cargo bike. Yeah. Every chance I get, I advocate for, for bike trailers as the ultimate disaster resiliency cargo conveyance because uh, they can be readily shared and they make, they turn every bicycle, uh, which has decent brakes <laughs> into a cargo bike. And furthermore, you know, the modularity can be really handy for uh, a broken transportation infrastructure scenario, whereby you might need to cross a debris field and uh, you'll use your, your trailer as a handcart. Um, and you and you walk your bicycle on a separate portage trip. Um, you can separate the cargo from the trailer and make 
you know, three trips through a debris field. Uh, whereas a cargo bike is uh, not dividable. So you're always going to have that, you know, they, they're going to weigh 50 pounds at least with your U-lock and stuff, even if you separate the cargo. With a trailer, you can have, uh, you know, you can reduce your individual loads to 30 or 40 pounds or something, something really manageable. So yay, trailers. <laughs> That's good. That's good to hear. I can go on and on, uh, <laughs> but I'll, I'll pause for questions. <laughs> Yeah, all good. Uh, I'm just curious, what is in the mix for this year? Uh, what what can folks who have participated in the past look forward to, or what should they expect? Well, the disaster relief trials is very cleanly um, defined by the dozen essential elements, which are found on the essential elements page of disasterreliefTrials.com, and uh, so. You can always expect the basic tenants will be satisfied. Um, you know, the main one being uh, if it's a full circuit um, category, uh, then you'll be collecting uh, 50 kilograms of cargo. So that's sort of the central theme. It's a supply run. That's, uh, you know, 110 pounds of supplies. They will be visiting at least five checkpoints per the essential elements. And cargo will be collected only from checkpoints. The exact location uh, with numbered, number addresses will be of the checkpoints will be revealed one hour prior to the start on a really nice laminated map, which has a manifest on the other side. So competitors, as per usual, will have one hour to plan their routing per speed and safety uh, to visit at least five checkpoints in order that will be exactly indicated on the map. Per some disaster relief trials, we're going to annotate the maps with um, simulated uh, uh, broken roads and broken bridges. And this, this, this allows us, this folds into our due diligence with regards to safety. Um, we can pretend that uh, high, any high crash corridor street uh, near the checkpoints uh, is a broken street. Maybe there's a, you know, electrical wire down, there's a gas leak. We'll indicate that on the maps and that allows us, even though it's a self-navigated event, we can cater safe uh, scenarios and steer and steer competitors that way. Uh, they can expect a one meter barrier per the essential elements, and they'll have to encounter that barrier at least once uh, after they accumulate at least half of the 50 uh, kilograms of relief supplies. They can expect to pick up three unpackaged chicken eggs, raw chicken eggs, which represent fragile medical supplies, and they will be uh, time penalized if they break any of those eggs. And that'll, that'll uh, accrue to calculate their final time. They will um, uh, encounter a rough terrain section uh, of at least 400 meters, which is rough enough that most of the competitors will be forced to dab or walk or perform a slow speed crash or portage, you know, take the trailer separately or something. 
but we try to try to make it so that it's possible to to clean you know by a talented writer who really wants to go for it we'll have a couple categories will be the full circuit categories um, and then there, there's always categories that allow you to um, bite off a smaller disaster relief trials bite if it's your first disaster relief trials. But the full circuit, the full 50 kilogram supply collection circuit uh, will take the fastest competitors at least three hours. So, um, and then there'll be a, there'll be a cutoff uh, at about five or five and a half hours. So those are all things that competitors can expect. New for this year is a very realistic, Cully neighborhood specific disaster scenario that we'll be reacting to. So uh, we're gonna be using Cully neighborhood emergency team volunteers. These are people who are trained uh, by the Portland Bureau of Emergency Management. Uh, we'll have them assisting in a realistic way that reflects assets and vulnerabilities of the neighborhood. Things that we forecast will need attention, will need supplies especially, will need communication. They're gonna be folded into disaster relief trials, Portland. Um, so that's, a, and that's the most exciting part is we're taking one step closer to a municipal response integrated uh, scenario involving the neighborhood emergency teams. Uh, anybody who from the neighborhood emergency team who volunteers will receive a training exercise credit um, per the Portland Bureau of Emergency Management endorsement of our event. So, um, so that's really cool. We're, we're just, it's not just a look what is possible. We're gonna have fun pretending that there's a wild disaster. It's not that this year. This year, it's a training exercise. You know, day four, post Cascadia, subduction zone, rupture, your neighbors, what do they need? Do you have a cargo bike? Go to the beacon site, which is the basic earthquake emergency communication node and, and see if you can help. A neighborhood emergency team member will register you per the spontaneous untrained volunteer form that we use for spontaneous untrained volunteers who come by. You'll get an assignment, you'll be tracked uh, in a way that will occur uh, post-disaster in Portland by default. Hey Mike, for people that yeah. aren't familiar with Portland, can you um, just talk a little bit about the Cully neighborhood and um, what the Cully neighborhood is like? Yeah, it's a, um, I think, low to, and correct me if I'm getting any of this wrong, I'm, I'm no expert per se, but I, the general character is that it's a low to medium income, very culturally diverse uh, working class neighborhood in Northeast Portland. There are between 13,000 and 14,000 residents, residents in the neighborhood. That's a pretty big neighborhood. It's, uh, it's got old school manufacturing uh, within the neighborhood as well as a lot of residential. It's got a um, state route 30 going through it, um, which is a really, pretty high speed uh, arterial and uh, it's got some neighborhood farms which by default uh, usually end up being assets for for uh, when considering neighborhood resiliency it's got some elder care uh, community homes or uh, assisted living 
places, a couple of those. It's got a, a lot of language diversity due to the cultural diversity. And so I would like to hint at, at part of the character of this year's disaster relief trials will be will involve assessing needs when nobody speaks your language. Um, and that represents Kali. That's a Kali vulnerability to not be able, you know, because communication uh, can save a lot of suffering in lives if it's effective and it can it can threaten threaten lives and comfort uh, when it's not effective. So so that's uh, that's Kali. It's got commercial, residential, industrial. It's got quite a few quite a few parks, including New Kali Park, where the event is going to be located. Cully Park is really pretty special. It used it's a reclaimed landfill. Um, it ends up being in a really big spot for uh, migrating geese to hang out and rest, um, where it once was industrial and not a good place for them to hang out. It's got the uh, intertribal gathering garden aspect, which uh, involves some hardscaping and some alternative landscaping um, that honor the you know, original Chinook and other tribes that, that lived here, including a big uh, camas, camas bulb plant, uh, which was a plant that used to heal and feed um, tribes around here for uh, thousands of years. So that's, that's going to be a cool part of disaster relief trials this year is uh, honoring the original stewards of the land where, where we live and and allowing people to witness just a a token um a token of respect granted to the original inhabitants here cool um you know i should have said this at the very beginning but i'm going to say it now full disclosure i'm um you had asked me to be on the steering committee for the disaster relief trials this year which i was really excited about um, because my experience with the disaster relief trials is actually minimal i've only been a spectator i've never i've never um, participated in it so it was, it's really interesting for me to, to learn about it. And I'm learning about it more and more every time, every time I talk with you. And so tonight, even I've, I've learned more about it. Um, but the one thing that I, you know, being a bikey guy, just like you, I think about, oh, bikey, you know, ride bikes and pull stuff on a trailer or, or ride a cargo bike. But, like, but a, a significant part of it is the emergency response portion of it, which, which gets really official, right? I mean, that's, it's. Portland Bureau of Emergency Management and all those other uh, entities you mentioned. Yeah, uh, we've we've always had buy-in from uh, emergency management uh, organizations, including uh, FEMA and Multnomah County and uh, Portland. And uh, the disaster relief trials has been hosted by six other cities around the world too. And um, Eugene Eugene has uh, always had their Department of Emergency Management participate and table and other places too it's a it's hard it's it's hard not to um give a nod to citizen-led resilience enhancement when fema fema tells us uh that over 95 percent of major disaster victims will be rescued and assisted by joe citizen um and and you know, we have we have about fourteen thousand five hundred professional disaster uh, first responders in Portland. That's so that's fire, police, and uh, and Bureau of Emergency Management. 
and, and we have uh, over 600,000 residents here in Portland. And so that's a one to 45 ratio. There one, there's one standby first response professional ready to assist 45 Portlanders. And, and that, that ratio doesn't reflect, you know, n not everybody's going to be able to work at the same time. Um, and not every, and there's going to be a lot of times where anyway, one to 45 is the ratio. And the FEMA statistic is that, is that non-professionals are going to save the day. Neighbors are going to help neighbors. That's what happens over and over. There's enough data. So we, we anticipate that citizens need to get involved and, and FEMA after the, after a big Mexico city earthquake, um, in 85, I want to say, but don't quote me on that. Uh, after a lot of neighbors helping neighbors ended up in secondary tragedies where the healthy neighbors helping neighbors ended up being unhealthy or killed, uh, FEMA developed the, um, assert program, the community emergency response team program, so that, so that uh, we, we could cut into the secondary disaster of non-professionals making mistakes when they're trying to help others. So it's a, it's a roughly 40 hour course that gets interested neighbors ready to assist their, their neighbors and friends after they take care of their own house and their own family. Um, Portland <clears throat> takes the CERT program and they add um, a few, they augment it, they just add to it, and they call it Neighborhood Emergency Team Program. And we have 2000, over 2,200 Neighborhood Emergency Team volunteers, and that's, that's more of that kind of program that's a uh, much, much bigger, bigger trained cohort than any other city. Portland is really enthusiastic about you know, citizen uh, preparedness. So, so I'm a neighborhood emergency team member, and I also take care of a basic quake emergency communication node um, as a volunteer. And so, um, it's easy for me to understand how um, spontaneous untrained volunteers get will get rolled in to a city response post Cascadia subduction earthquake we have cargo bikes and garages we have cargo bikers who will be able to get their family fixed up and get themselves fixed up in the first four days they're gonna go see if they can help we anticipate this this will happen how do we maximize this potentiality this year for the disaster relief trials we're rolling in neighborhood emergency teams as they would be to see how it goes and for the first year ever, for people who uh, are in the full circuit categories and complete the full circuit, full circuit uh, within time and safely, they'll get a, um, a disaster relief uh, trials competency endorsement sticker. And this sticker will go on a spoke car that can stay on their cargo bike. And so when you show up, after you get your family together and yourself together, you show up to help uh, at your neighborhood emergency team um, staging area, which may or may not be co-located with the basic earthquake emergency uh, communication node. They'll be able to, when they 
when they uh, register you on the, the FEMA spontaneous untrained volunteer form, they'll be able to uh, add in the other box, this is a competent cargo bike supply runner per DRT endorsement sticker. So that's what we're doing this year to just like, we're taking the Portland Bureau of Emergency Management endorsement, you know, which is an inch and we're going a foot with it. You know, we're going, we're going all the way. We're going to, we're going to show, we're going to show how it can be done effectively and, um, and do this, do this thing where um, not only did you show up on a cargo bike and you say you're competent, but you proved it in the disaster relief trials, which is a standardized format with the essential elements. It's the same, no matter which city um, hosts it. It's sort of a, you, you've done the thing that represents a real supply run. Okay, we're gonna give you this assignment. You know, that's, that's, that'll help maximize the potential of cargo bikes. I'm a brand new cargo biker. I, I show up at disaster relief trials because I wanna participate. What, what can I expect? What would it be like for me? You should expect, first of all, to show up with a, a tuned bike um, that will pass a, um, a mechanic safety check. Uh, prior to the two hours prior to the start. You should show up with a lot of straps and you should not show up with any bungee cords. Those are hot tips. Okay. And when I say straps, I, I really like to think of cam buckle straps. Okay. Like, uh, like rafting, um, whitewater rafting people use to lash down their gear, flip their boat and still have their gear. Those things. Um, and it doesn't hurt to have the long uh, volley ski straps that all the bike packers use these days. Mm -hmm. Just have more straps than you think you'll need. Show up with some kind of a, a rubber mat, like an anti-fatigue mat or something to just sort of drape over your rack and facilitate the lashing of awkward, slippery stuff. That's, that's another hot tip. Um, so, so you should, to answer your question, you should uh, expect to be ready for cargo that you'll only know about one hour prior to the start. You, you should expect a mechanic safety check and you won't participate if your bike's not safe. Um, you should uh, expect to um, um, have your helmet checked. You should expect snacks from uh, uh, breakfast on the bridges folks. You should expect um, a pedal-powered PA system with live music. You should expect uh, a resilience fair that surrounds the start-finish area of the disaster relief trials. And people like the Portland Bureau of Emergency Management and the Beacon Program, which is the emergency communications program. Uh, Cully organizations, they'll be tabling. And you should expect to meet other Portlanders and develop community and community development is resilience development. Knowing your people is resilience. So just getting together and having a fun time and um, is, you know, is building resilience. You should expect a dramatic radio transmitted um, simulation of a disaster status report, which will be part of the preamble to the, the starting gun. Um, you should expect a Le Mans start, meaning What's that, that, meaning that um, your vehicle is in the parking arena and your body 
is at least 100 meters away in a, in a starting zone. And you should expect to perform uh, some kind of typical um, getting ready for a supply run task prior to mounting your bicycle. So there you're gonna be running around busy doing something and then you get on your bike and this will separate separate out the clump, clump of would be clump of riders. Okay. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's good. Uh, if you're a, um, there's gonna, there, I'll tell you the categories um, which will help define expectations because different categories should have different expectations. We'll start with the, the full circuit. There's the e-bike category. Then there's the um, responder care category, which is just sort of the standard disaster relief trials full circuit. There's new this year is the uh, mixed vehicle pair team category. So that involves a cargo bike rider and a regular bike rider. You can switch off if you want, but you just have to have two people and the two different types of vehicles. And you decide how you make it all work out. So you have a you have a buddy system, you have a wing person, you have a scout. Uh, there's always there's going to be a family category, um, uh, and that and that is one of the categories that has uh, that uh, visits uh, less than a full circuit, has less than a full load, small first experience for the disaster relief trials, and just to and it'll require that you carry a passenger who's related to you. Then there'll be a um, Let's see, I didn't mention one, two, three, four, five, and then uh, a citizen category, which will be a, a less than full circuit category. So the, the two categories that are less than full circuit will probably accumulate around um, no more than 30 kilograms of stuff, and they'll visit um, probably less than five checkpoints and the fastest riders among them will finish probably a little in a little under two hours. Uh, yeah. And like, and like I said earlier, the, the full circuit category people will take uh, three hours or more. Um, so bring snacks and water accordingly need to bring a repair kit, need to be able to fix a flat and make basic repairs expect to uh, strictly follow all traffic laws at all times. And we're gonna have sneaky course monitors out there with cameras. The one of the slogans of uh, disaster responders or uh, search and rescue people is um, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. So that totally applies to um, uh, negotiating traffic and, you know, and open streets rushing through a red light is absolutely contraindicated for uh, you know somebody who is serious about disaster assistance, and so we're really serious about traffic laws needing to be followed. So yeah, I think I think that's pretty good list of expectations. Thank you, Mike. Um, switching modes for a second, you know, thinking about folks who may listen to this episode or are finding out about disaster relief trials but more in the sense of wanting to put something on with their own communities or to organize locally where they're at. I'm curious, you know, given the age of the event and your involvement with it, what are some of your takeaways and what would you recommend breaking down into steps if somebody was looking to get involved themselves? That's a nice question. Um, the design of the event 
of the event uh, is um, is 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 very compatible with transferring from city to city, um, and but always representing a true true capabilities of the cargo bike supply runner, and that's really cleanly and easily defined by the essential elements on our website. We we also have two identical uh, event administration kits. We recently shipped to Japan um, and just received back with a big care package full of Japanese goodies. We uh, we are ready to, to ship uh, these administration kits to would-be disaster relief trials organizers so that all the boring stuff is taken care of officially in a branded way that makes you look pro. Um, and and with that and our and our free consulting via email, I like to say with a free venue, about $1,500 gets it done in terms of a disaster relief trials that's adequately marketed and publicized and attracts 50 competitors and attracts the attention of political deciders and emergency managers. So, and it's, it's always really important to imagine the mode disaster of your location, if you will, around here, you know, we do well to prepare for uh, an earthquake. So it's good to to design uh, a trial scenario that reflects, you know, a lot of shaking, a lot of debris. Um, In other places, uh, we're we're speaking with people in uh, Baton Rouge and uh, New Orleans right now about disaster relief trials. And um, of course they would have to consider flooding and they would have to consider that, um, you know, bikes are not water vehicles. So, you know, uh, the, the map that the competitors receive one hour prior to start, they'd have a big area blacked out, you know, this is flooded. You're not a boat conveyance, you're a wheeled conveyance. So it's, yeah, it's, you can satisfy the dozen essential elements yet have character of the scenario that you design that reflects as realistic, you know, for proving bikes are not just toys, but they're, they can be important tools, um, especially when you don't have a grid of civilization anymore. Did that answer your question? I can, I could go on, I'm sure. Yeah, that was great. I just wanted to feed some, you know, thought around that. And I can think of several scenarios where having that resiliency would be pretty useful. So I'll just leave it with that. <laughs> and we and we have Google folders uh, that we share with would-be um, organizers that have, you know, a lot of the, allows for a lot of cut and paste for would-be organizers, you know, including waivers and budgets and um, checkpoint design and, you know, media, media links, press release template, yada, yada. So uh, every year it gets more plug and play for communities outside of Portland who want to do disaster relief trials and they'll get it, they'll get a logo, get it all pro branded, which brings me to the announcement of uh, Eugene um, coming back with a disaster relief trials um, in October. So that's happening this year. Sukoba, Japan, uh, uh, disaster relief trials happened uh, in November, so it's it's uh, it's spreading like a good virus. Did you work with the university in Japan in Scuba, or is it 
through a different organization. Yeah, and so they're so Tad's coming back um, this year with a couple students. Um, some students will be volunteering to help us host the event, and some will be competing. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be thirty dollars, um, which exclusively play, pays for cargo, which will be donated to uh, Sisters of the Road Cafe and to uh, People's Housing Project. So these are two Portland-based resiliency enhancing organizations that our event is going to directly assist. Um, and all uh, currently working professional uh, bicycle couriers uh, get a free entry. We definitely want um, all the all the messengers and the cargo couriers in Portland to receive an open invitation to be our go-to supply runners in the in the case of a disaster. Beeline Sustainable Urban Delivery. Uh, Franklin over there is is definitely ready to after he takes care of his family and his house he's going to show up at the warehouse and uh, see what needs to be picked up and which what needs to be delivered and we have I don't know how many working couriers we have but we want to encourage them to start thinking this way and, and they probably already are well any any last words that you'd like listeners to know before we uh, wrap things up our Instagram page is um, Disaster Relief Trails Organizers, and that'll be a good place to see to see about uh, practice sessions that we'll host in Cully Park for the interested but concerned would-be <laughs> Disaster Relief Trials competitors out there. Um, I, I host a, a coffee clutch on Tuesdays um, in Cully Park. And uh, we're making some of those Tuesdays a practice session with the one meter barrier and um, load lashing tutorials because there's just some simple tri tricks that'll take all the uh, all the fear out of it. And those will be on announced on the Instagram page. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, they'll, it's Tuesday mornings, and there'll there'll be a few opportunities where where these Tuesday get-togethers will uh, will include some um, practice opportunities. I think that's all I can think of right now, other than um, really need to um, express a lot of gratitude to Turn Bicycles USA for um, <clears throat> underwriting this year's disaster relief trials style products uh, is a distributor of Turn in North America, and they, they're footing the bill so that we can have a big anniversary disaster relief trials. So thanks, Turn. Cool. Well, thank you, Mike. Thanks for coming to the show and talking to us. Thank, thanks so much for paying attention to uh, uh, the, the cargo bike uh, as a disaster recovery tool mission. Cool. DisasterreliefTrials.com is the website. Well, we may not have something to talk about this week, but you know what we do have? We got mail. Hey, we got mail. We got oh. some mail this week from uh, uh, Jay Lecco. It says, hi, Sprocket folks. Myra saw this and sent it to me. Thought I'd share it with you and the listeners. It's classic. And it actually is a, it's a tweet and I can't read it. I think it's, it's from Finland. So I don't know what language they speak in Finland. Finnish? 
I would Dutch probably. Yeah, probably. It says this guy transported a nine meter flagpole by bicycle for 55 kilometers after their buddy complained that it can't be done with a car. And there's a photo of a of a gentleman on a bicycle, and he's got a nine meter flagpole. And probably the last third of the flagpole is supported by um, what looks to be a bike trailer. And then on the back of the flagpole is an actual flag. <laughs> it looks like a Finnish flag, I'm guessing. Uh, so that's awesome. That's, that's, that's great. You know, somebody said, oh, I, you can't take that on a car. So um, someone on a bike transported a flagpole, nine meters. That is no small feat. I like the little <laughs> trailer contraption that they put. I know, on. right? That's clever. You know, if you see somebody biking along with that on the side of their freeway, highway, <laughs> you, you know, respect is owed. I wonder if the um, if it's that kind of a, a contraption that actually turns. You know how the wheels turn, those tilting wheels, or oh, if it's just straight up a trailer. Gotcha. Like they could uh, swing at the bottom of the pendulum stroke, so to speak, right, right, right. as well as trail the bicycle. Mm-hmm. What's the weirdest thing you've ever pulled on a trailer, Armando? Besides people? <laughs> well, you know, I'll let you interpret it as you, as you may. Oh, gosh. I don't know. Probably something on a bike move. I don't know. Something, whatever I had in the trailer on a bike move. Right on. Well, Jay, thank you so much for sending in that news article. If you've got something we should keep an eye on, feel free to email thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call our text 503-847-9774 or reach us on those other buckets that exist on the internet, <laughs> such as at Sprocket Podcast. I think you probably can guess the rest. <laughs> Thank you, listeners, for your listenership. The Sprocket Podcast is produced in Portland, Oregon. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review and tell your friends about us. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text 503-847-9774. Twitter and Instagram at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Hurtbird for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to the generous support of our Patreon supporters and listeners. Shadowfoot, Wayne Norman, Richard Wazinski. Tim Mooney, Len Kubish, Eric Weiss, Cameron Lean. Doug Cohen-Miller, Chris Smith, Caleb Jenkinson, J.P. Cooley. Peanut Butter Jar Matt, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterson, Anna, Richard G., Campsite. Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of The Redrainer. Jeremy Kitchen, Mr. T., Harry Hoogle, E.J. Finneran. Brad Hipwell, Keith Hutchinson, Ryan Tam, Jason Oftenberg. Andre Johnson, Gregory Braithwaite, Mike Biz, Chris Barron, Dennis O'Brien, Sean Bear, Dude Luna, Emma Rooks, Lillian Kerbeck, Spartan Dale, Philip M, Bike Initiative Keweenaw, Adam D, Go Dig a Hole, Beth Hammond, Craig Murphy, Yours Truly, Myra Martinez, Oso, Byron Patterson, Mac Nurse Davis, Kristen Graham, Aaron G., Rachel Moline, Jonathan Lee, Tommy Romani, Damiana Day, and Alan Kessler. And thanks to our newest sponsor, Andrew McGregor. And thanks to all our former supporters who helped us along the way. Now brush your teeth. And go to bed. <laughs>